Trash Pits. All right, well, it's Thursday, and we are here with yet another mosh pit. Nick, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Uh, I don't know what Kevin is uh, gonna, uh, what story he's telling today. He's kept me completely in the dark, so uh, this will be as surprising to me as it is to all of you listeners. Yes, I've purposefully asked Nick to not do any sort of research, digging. I'm here to tell you a tale. On a side note, we've uh, hit the charts in Thailand. Number 74, baby. <laughs> yeah. You know what's number one? What? Joe Rogan? No, Jazz Hour. <laughs> Oh, all right. Jazz Hour with Joe Rogan. (laughs) (laughs) This next one's called Ivermectin Blues (laughs) by the Say the N-Word 24 Times Quartet. (laughs) And we'll follow that up with I'm Just Asking Questions. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on last week's episode of Fear Factory, we recommended Barrier Dead to listeners uh, who enjoy Fear Factory. So today, I want to take a moment to address the era when Barrier Dead went new metal and the very, very dumb aftermath of one of its members. Yeah, let's, I'm here for this. This is awesome. All right, so let's back up to 2007. Barrier Dead released their masterpiece, Beauty and the Breakdown, and they joined Derek Hess's stress tour. Do you remember that? I do. I like when everybody got Derek Hess tattoos and they were just like scribbles all over their arms. <laughs> just fucking chicken scratches. Couldn't tell what it was. Like, yeah, it looked awesome on album covers, but it looked like shit on tattoos. But yeah, th- this particular tour featured uh, Throwdown, Poison the Well, and Shadows Fall. So pretty, pretty tight lineup. And after that, same year, they jumped on the fa- Family Values Tour. This version of the tour uh, went the two stages route. So you had Corn and Deftones and Stone Sour on the main stage. And then you had bands like Walls of Jericho and Bear Your Dead on the smaller stage. Can we, can we mention that Stone Sour is like the softest ass band name for a metal band ever? When I was a bartender, if somebody came in and ordered an Amaretto Stone Sour, that's how I knew to check their ID. For those that don't know, <laughs> to make a drink a Stone Sour, it's orange juice and sour mix. Like, I this is no not, idea. Yeah, this is not a, an Amaretto Stone Sour. It's fucking Amaretto, orange juice, and sour mix. It's the softest ass drink in the world. Okay, so uh, for our listeners who have never heard Barrier Dead, this is what Barrier Dead should sound like. You get the idea. There's no solos, there's no clean vocals, and you use the word fuck a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what makes Barrier Dead so great. But in 2007, vocalist Matt Brusso would leave Barrier Dead, and he would be replaced by vocalist Mike Terry. And with a new singer comes a whole new sound. Okay, so that's the track Fever Dream from 2008's self-titled Barrier Dead. And it goes against everything that Barrier Dead stands for. It's got clean singing, it's got solos, and it's not good. <laughs> it sure isn't. And it's in this era that I want to tell you the tale of Barrier Dead guitarist Eric Ellis. Ellis played with Barrier Dead from 2004 to 2008, so he straddled the divide in sound. 
and his time with Barrier Dead would come to an abrupt end in 2008 when he got the holy shit beat out of him. By who and where? Uh, in an interview with Noise Creep, Ellis said, What happened that night on tour last year was that I was walking back to our vehicle after a show in Milwaukee and had a gun pulled on me. It was for this gang initiation. I was beaten with a hammer and a bat. I had 56 contusions on the side of my body. Oh my god. That sent him packing home. He's like, fuck it, I'm done touring. That's it. But while his touring career came to an abrupt end, he also paints the portrait of a new start. So in that same interview, he talks about producing and his new clothing line, and he ends with this quote. I've been positive since the first hammer blow to the back of my head. (laughs) It's like the event put me in a parallel to my old life. I love touring, but fell in love with production, and the event helped me see that. You know what else Eric Ellis fell in love with? Crime. Oh, boy. (laughs) In 2012, Ellis was sentenced to 20 years in prison after being found guilty of violating the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Fucking Rico. Rico. Yeah. All right. Turns out that somewhere between his own clothing line and production, uh, Ellis fell in with an outlaw biker gang called the Guardians. Amazing. (laughs) Here's a brief rundown of his crimes. In May 2009, he participated in the brutal beating of a man who was paying his rent uh, in a trailer park with counterfeit money. In June of that same year, he broke into the home of a Ponte Verda Beach businessman, tied his wife up at gunpoint, stole $300,000 in cash, and an additional $300,000 in jewelry, guns, and clothes. How do you, how, what did he like back up a, like a U-Haul truck? Like, how do you carry that much shit out of a place you're burglarizing? Uh, well, he had a crew. He was part of a gang. You know, you don't just go in guns blazing by yourself. All right. In October of that year, the gang robbed a Wakovia bank, stealing nearly uh, $5,400, which seems a bit weak. Yeah, that's a soft-ass bank robbery. Yeah. In November of that year, they committed a home invasion, robbing the two occupants and stealing a Lexus. Oh, all right. These guys are fucking brazen. In August of 2010, two members of the gang burst into a West Side Florida home and held the two occupants at gunpoint while robbing them. In uh, later testimony, a third gang member would uh, say that he couldn't make it to that particular home invasion because he couldn't find a babysitter. Amazing. As I've demonstrated, the Guardians are the real deal. And I want to take a look at the history behind these one percenter badasses. Okay, cool. Let's go. The man at the head of the club was Maynard Kenneth Godwin, known to others simply as Boss. He was a hard man who weathered some hard times and found himself on the wrong side of the law. So it's no surprise that Boss formed a cadre of outlaw brothers. Now, you want to know the one incident that sealed his fate to a life of crime? Lay it on me. Right into this world All alone You gotta take your soul You're on your own The crow flies straight I'm not fucking kidding. I'm gonna read you a piece of an article from the Florida Times Union. Billy Hessen, an original gang member, told Taylor he, Godwin, and Godwin's brother were sitting around one night watching Sons of Anarchy when Godwin suggested starting a gang of his own. He said, it would be nice to have a club like that. Amazing. You know what would be sweet? We could bang some hookers and run some ice. (laughs) Like, 
You don't need a motorcycle gang to do crime. Yeah, but it makes it cooler if you all have matching leather jackets. Uh, funny you should mention that. Records show gang members often dressed in all black and referred to each other as brothers. <laughs> they owned and rode expensive motorcycles, frequently going on social rides with each other or in groups. They, they enjoyed bodybuilding together and frequented strip clubs. Amazing. This is just a reminder that Sons of Anarchy is sex in the city for stupid men. <laughs> It's so true. Like, for those of you who don't know what Sons of Anarchy is, it was this show on FX about a motorcycle gang called Sam Crow and this guy Jax. And Jax, uh, like, at some point, the IRA gets involved. And yeah, they like, go to, they ship all their motorcycles to Ireland to go rescue his kidnapped son that was stolen by a <laughs> priest or something. Yeah, like, everybody has big baggy pants with carpenter loops on them. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. It's got a, a few good moments, but overall, it's it's a mostly bad show. Yeah, it's it's not great. Like you know that dude in Tiger King who always wears the bandana with yep. like yeah, it's it's television for that guy. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. Hessen and it said gang members wore dog tags provided by Godwin, though Hessen made one of his own, designating himself as a lieutenant, and he said that Godwin appropriately called himself the boss. He gave himself his own nickname. Perfect. But that wasn't the only nickname. Bill Harper and Billy Hessen were the lieutenants, as I mentioned. Andrew Wilkie was the enforcer. And Frank Godwin was the road captain. And then this guy, Brock Skov, owing to his computer savvy, was called Tech. Oh, God. I'm locked out of my Gmail. Get Tech on the phone. <laughs> Mount up, there's this Nigerian prince who stole my credit card. <laughs> uh, Ellis didn't get a nickname, although he apparently was the main source for steroids, so these guys just kind of called him Roids. <laughs> I don't know, or Swole. Oh, he was also a racist. Oh, well, naturally. I mean, so was everybody in Sons of Anarchy, if you recall. Yeah. There was a whole story arc where one of their members went into hiding because he found out his dad was black. <laughs> Yeah, he tried to fucking kill himself. In a write-up of the United States versus Goodwin, it mentions, On a desk in Ellis's apartment, officers found matching 9mm Mauser pistols from the June 2009 home invasion, both loaded, lying beside a calendar that prominently marked the day after Thanksgiving as N-Word Friday. My God. To take your calendar... And be like, hmm, Black Friday, Black Friday. I got it. <laughs> and write it on your calendar oh, oh prominently. He had to physically write that just so that he could look at it and be like, yep, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, obviously these guys are fucking morons and they just commit crime after crime after crime. And then they get nabbed. And uh, four of the guys plead guilty, and Ellis took his shot at trial, which didn't work out so well. Uh, their whole argument was like, come on, look at us, we're idiots. We couldn't run an organized criminal enterprise. But the fucking hilarious part is that these guys, like one guy's watching Sons of Anarchy, he's like, man, being in a gang would be cool. So he forms his own gang, they do all these crimes, and because he keeps calling himself a gang, they get a fucking Rico case yep. slapped on them. Whoops. Yeah. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. So these fucking dorks thought it would be cool to put like dress up like bikers. And yeah, they got hit with a Rico indictment, just like in Sons of Anarchy. 
Yeah, so Ellis got 20 years in the slammer, and uh, he's been keeping busy uh, releasing albums from prison. I believe this band is called Givich. Givich? Givich. Yeah. And this is Destination Daybreak off of The Weight of Knowing. So basically it's this dude in the jail rec room and he joins like the local community college music production class and like records this and puts it out to the world. Amazing. Yeah. And it's just like an hour of this dude just fucking noodling while this drum machine is going off in the background. (laughs) I mean, hey, got to pass the time somehow. 20 years is a long time. Ellis will be out in 2027. And I will end with a quote from when he was originally beaten. When the kids who did that to me get out of jail, maybe they'll get a second chance too and realize that life is not the way for them. That concludes the tale of Eric Ellis being a guitarist in Barrier Dead and then getting the shit kicked out of him and then joining a fake motorcycle gang and then getting hit with a fucking Rico indictment and spending the next 20 years in a federal prison. Absolutely ridiculous. That said, though, go listen to Barrier Dead, because they still rule. (laughs) All right, that's all we got for this week. Brother, let's ride out. The perfect line On the devil's bed Until you die Show me a lot! Lost kids!